What's up, everyone? This is Michael in Boston, Massachusetts. This is Josh in Charlotte, North Carolina. Raise up. This is Marvin, currently in Oakland, California, in the Bay, but uh, living in Philadelphia. Yo, what's good? This is Jesse, reporting to you from Oakland, California, and thank you for tuning in to the very last episode of the Melanated Social Work Podcast. Mm. Um, it's been a journey, y'all. I was playing like <laughs> Boys to Men earlier this morning. <laughs> End of the road in preparation for this. Just give myself in that energy. You feel me? Thinking about yeah. thinking about this long road we've been on. Um, but you know, why change things up? Let's stick with the tra- tradition um, and just see how folks are feeling today. So, how y'all doing today? I am feeling so. The morning started out uh pretty frustrating um just a couple of things that uh i had to do that i should not have had to do around both personal and you know professional things and so it's it's you know you just want people to do their damn job sometimes you know (laughs) and so uh you know but you know um as the day progressed got a lot better had a great session with the client had a chance to straighten things up in my my little space here. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling, um, calm. Yeah, I'm feeling calm. No doubt. I am feeling good. I feel content. This is our final episode. We made it. We did it. We landed here. (laughs) Uh, I had a good day today. Had therapy, played outside with the puppy planning to move uh so getting some things in order and uh the academic year is starting again in a couple weeks here so enjoying these last few days of uh kind of quiet flexibility moving at my own pace and to try to keep bringing in boundaries and uh i'll say flexibility again into this new academic year and I'm also getting things situated for my private practice. So feeling good, feeling hopeful, feeling optimistic about what's on the horizon. Um, I'm feeling sore. I did uh, like a workout yesterday and I'm still feeling it. And then I did a different workout this morning and I felt that too. Um, almost tapped out, but kept going. Um, feeling relieved because I got a small break between semesters ended my first year last week of uh ended my final week of my first year last week and i got some stuff to do tomorrow for school and then on the weekend and then next week is bike at it again so i'm feeling a little bit relieved and uh happy to be here i am feeling sick I'm, uh, you know, we went to Atlanta and then I came back with COVID. So that was a whole thing. I had to recover from COVID or uh, to Florida, I mean, I should say. And then my partner came back from Atlanta and she had a cold. So then, of course, I caught that. (laughs) Just been managing sickness for a month now. Um, But otherwise, I'm feeling good. Um, Was like messaging 
with some folks because uh, I think when we put that announcement on the Instagram with that last episode we just dropped with Bilal, uh, that there was like a secret message in there that the next episode was going to be our last episode. So I don't know if everyone caught that, but some folks caught it and were hitting me and asking me questions about that. So yeah, just reflecting on the process, reflecting on podcasting. Um, yeah, this is like the first time any of us have done a podcast um so yeah i've just been thinking about that but it's been a huge success overall this is going to be our 51st episode uh in total we have over 167,000 downloads uh we've been listened to in over 120 countries over 5,700 cities across the world have tuned in and listened to the Melanated Social Work Podcast. Um, that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment, <clears throat> especially since none of us could have anticipated that that many people would have listened. Um, but I'm wondering for each of y'all, like what was one of your favorite memories from the podcast or what do you think is one of the, the greatest accomplishments that has come out of the podcast? I really appreciate that question. Uh, two things stand out in my mind. One is the acknowledgement from academia about the work we were doing and receiving a distinguished alumni award about four years after graduating with our social work degree from Boston College. I thought that was super dope, uh, especially for the things that we're talking about and uh, bringing light to. Um, you know, that, that's a big award right there. Uh, and then the other piece that I will always hold near and dear are the offerings that we provided to folks, uh, I think, at, uh, in times of need. Um, so the book club, bringing people together, a community together, to, you know, discuss concepts of community, collective care. Uh, just having the importance of having people, uh, and not trying to, you know, rely solely on yourself. Um, and then of course, uh, some of the healing spaces we offered as well, I thought were really powerful. So, uh, you know, we did the damn thing. Um, and I loved, I love, those are some, th those are just a few of the things that I cherish with y'all. Um, so you gave us two questions. So I'm going to, I'm going to answer both of them because I have different, you know, answers for them, obviously. Um, so my favorite episode, which is very, very hard to choose from because we've got 51 of them. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, it is hard to choose one. Um, I loved talking to my colleagues from Radical Therapy Center, Khaled and Sonali. Um, that, you know, was, was we had Sonali on first and then both of them on a, a second time, I believe, and both episodes were, were so great. I adore them, as y'all know. Um, really loved the episode with uh stick from dead prez as well like that was a dope ass episode i love having his energy um you know on the on the podcast as well so i'm gonna stop there because i'm i can just go on and on about just the dope ass episodes and my favorites um as far as moments i don't i don't know if i have one specific moment but i just i i Sometimes I reflect and I'm kind of in awe and how we've 
kind of played a role in in shifting and challenging and redefining and reimagining mental health and, and, and social work. Um, I mean, we had, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about NASW and like, it just kind of went off like, like, uh, what's it called? Wildfire on, on, on interwebs. And so, you know, so much so that we had a, <laughs> that we had a, an episode with the president and um was she the vice president of D D E I? Mitt and Don, whatever their roles are. <laughs> um, um, people have like quoted us in their papers. People have, you know, used some of our slides and maybe even clips from the podcast and presentations. And I just, I don't know, it's it's just like we're just like people <laughs> right and i think that when someone elevates our words and our, and our ideas in that way it's just it's just super humbling i think um it's and, and I'm, I, I'm i'm just incredible incredibly grateful you know for for this experience and what we've been able to do and, and different things that i've been able to do because of you know what what we created uh i think as far as the podcast goes it was kind of it was cool doing what we do as far as interviewing the NASW, asking the questions we would ask and then hearing the answers that they would give and having people see how we ask and how they would respond to it. So you can make your own decision of what is what, right? I think another dope episode was having stick. Of course, as folks have said, that's a favorite one. It's cool chopping it up going to get to hip hop again in a bit in a minute. I think overall it's been cool being with y'all building digital community. I mean, kind of going back to the podcast, we've had interviews of black women in New Zealand, Australia and Canada from a social work standpoint, right? Um from many different realms of life these these sisters have come from, right? It was cool showcasing uh you know, other social workers and mental health professionals, right? But I'm going to say more so social workers because that's what it is. There's social work in the name, right? Um, and I think another cool thing, even though I think you can't find it anymore, I don't know why, but I'll just say I'm not surprised. <laughs> we were named in the source coming back to hip hop. I don't know where that article went. And I know we put in a lot of hard work to be interviewed and put that put that out there i would i would love to see that article again i grew up you know reading the source so it's you know when social workers can make the source a hip-hop magazine you know you've done something so those are the things that have come to mind uh regarding the podcast and just in general with with what we've done because i could say other things but y'all have already said it so i just want to add in some add some other things that weren't said um, I think just recording a podcast was like a huge accomplishment, um, considering that it's something that none of us had done. And like, I think the world at that time, like as we were going into the initial quarantine of COVID-19, like the world was saturated with podcasts. Um, and it was really easy for the possibility that we would just get lost in the mix of that. And somehow, like enough people listen to the shit that it, it started to become a thing. 
um, like one of those first big milestones I remember was when Amanda Seals like shared our Instagram on her Instagram. <laughs> and we were like, oh shit, y'all, we're famous. Like, this is nuts. Um, and around that time, I remember like us kind of bouncing back and forth, like who are some of the folks that we dream of interviewing on the podcast? Um, Michelle Obama, we're still looking for you. You feel me? Like we, we'll we'll make a reunion happen if you hit us back. <laughs> we'll, we'll get the band back together, yo. Right. Uh, just for that one podcast, and then put it into retirement. But um, the one that I was really looking forward to was Adrian Marie Brown, and it took about a year for us to get to that point. But we got her on the podcast, and that was phenomenal. Um, I am just. I continue to be in awe of the folks that we've been able to be in community with, uh, you know, Lama Rod Owens, uh, Sonia Renee Taylor. These are folks that are leading the field in regards to healing, like some of the most recognizable names in the world. And they chose to volunteer their time to be with us because they thought we had something to say. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, and then like these amazing connections that have just come from the podcast, you know, like Sonali, Kalida, like that's my family. And me and Kalida still haven't even met yet. <laughs> and that's still family, you know, or, you know, getting to connect with Joy through the podcast and then getting to meet her uh, out there for Marvin's TED Talk. Like that was just, it was just amazing, you know? And so we've, come into some co community with so many dope folks and like it is tight that we're going to continue to like build um, and hold those relationships. Um, one of the accomplishments that I feel really proud about is just that we were able to help other folks trying to navigate the field of social work. Um, just being able to connect with current students or folks that are like new to the field or even like younger folks who are thinking about pursuing um, some form of social work in even like in their undergrad. Um, it was cool just being able to like offer a different perspective than what's out there. Um, and I think that doing this has taught me that that like, you know, it's easy to think that like your voice or your perspective isn't that important in like the grander scheme of things, but it just took us like putting it out there, putting our thoughts out there. Um, and it was like, it was clear that it was important because folks gravitated to it like really quickly. Um, so yeah, so that, that, that was pretty tight. I feel good about that. Yeah. I think, can I just add on like their voices Please. are important, but also their voices aren't like they're not the only ones that think that way so yeah. i feel like sometimes we get in these spaces and we know what's pc we know what we're supposed to say um or we we get in these uh social work programs that are filled like maybe our pwis or you're working in a space with all white people and you're you know everyone's saying one thing and you're just like and then we start to think that that's, there's something wrong with us like there's some that we, we start to think that like we're maybe taking things too seriously or we're maybe um being too emotional or you know whatever right. that is and so i think that it 
I think we've validated a lot of people's feelings who were, are, are the onlys in their spaces. Right. With, without doubt. And I don't know if y'all saw it. I, I think a couple of y'all did. The ASWB just released their uh, report about their clinical exam. Ooh. Ooh, they, man, they lucky this is our final episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real, for real. And so when we talk about tapping in with people in order to be seen, like, that goes a long, that goes a long way because initial test takers who are Black that take this clinical exam, only like 40, 47% pass, something like that. It's ridiculous. I mean, the, the exam's entirely racist. Uh, proof is in the pudding. It's right there. Um, and so these social work programs got to do better. And they got to do away with that test, uh, you know, plain and simple. Um, like I said, they're lucky we don't got more, we, we are not going to dedicate more time uh, really going in. But I just want to name that real quick about the importance of having people who are in the field who might not get the clinical licensure uh, still be represented and heard and seen. To, to quickly add on to what Mike said, it's just wild that, you know, you can go follow Kim Young, go follow, you know, Trey, go follow uh, Dr. James Bell, go follow the hip hop social worker and all these things. And, they'll, you know, you can see the posts of the business that is made off the backs of the failure um, of the failure rate, right? And I mean, to add on is a very ageist test because as you grow older, the less likelihood that you have to pass it. And I've done study prep and I've seen a room, virtual room full of black women that were at least 50 plus and many, and some also that were like old enough to be my mom. And they just making money off the pain of black people. They want more clinicians to come in they're not trying to change it. Well, they're going to change it in 2025. But what about the people who have to take it in the rest of 2022, 2023 and on? Um, and, you know, if I can say this, I know we met with the NABSW president once and she told us she barked on them folks. Right. So I think Marvin had made a post about, well, what will next happen? You know, no performative stuff. No DEI conversations. It's reparations over DEI conversations. Pay these people back. And social work has to atone and acknowledge the harm that they've done to, you know, many communities of color, point blank, period. ASAP. I'm thinking about this date of 2020 or this year of 2025 that everything's supposed to be uh, changed. And that's fine. But like in the interim, what's going to happen? Uh, like in the interim, similar to what you were just saying, Josh, like what, how are you going to help the folks that are still having to take this racist and oppressive exam? Cause like the data is out. Okay. So now what, like, what are you going to do like today? Not in three years from now, what are you going to do? And what does it look like? Okay. We still have this exam. How do you make it free? For black folks, black and brown folks, how do you make test prep free and available? Right. If 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 we still have to take this test, then how are you going to help the people who are at the lowest um, rate of passing? 
That's all. <laughs> <laughs> we coming for you and on Instagram. I'm coming for you on Instagram, ASWB, so be prepared. <laughs> Yo, and we helped a lot of folks pass that test. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. really tried our best to prepare folks the best we could yep. to pass that exam. Um, and so anytime folks hit us back that attended our course and let us know that they passed, that was like uh, a huge sense of joy for us yeah. that we could have any type of impact like that for someone else that was struggling with that exam. So you know, appreciate yeah. y'all reaching out and letting us know um, when you were able to pass. Um, I'm thinking about too, y'all, we've been doing this for a while. Uh, what has been one of the more difficult things for you, uh, through this process of like hosting a podcast? Maybe, maybe you, maybe you go first, Jesse, cause you edit it with, you know, I've said it since day one. I appreciate you for all the editing, the, the fine tuning, going back doing all the it was your your brainchild um your idea you know got to give credit the flowers where credit is due um so i mean i think you should probably start it off because this is your brainchild and you spend more time with it than we do i'm gonna add in the the music that you hear in the <laughs> intro and the outro of each yeah. episode is created by yeah. this genius here so Appreciate it. Yeah. I did not realize that I would enjoy podcasting so much. Um, this is like the appropriate level of visibility for me as like an introvert that I could just be here, like talking and recording and not actually like in front of people, but that other people listen to it. So that's kind of nice. Um, what was hard about the podcast was, I think for me personally, it was hard at times to control my ego around it um just because i feel like even really really early on like we were getting a lot of recognition and a lot of accolades um like within the first few episodes already getting like invitations to do guest lecturing at schools of social work or folks wanting to hire us as consultants to come in and do trainings um all that happened really fast. And then I think in some ways, like that did go to my head a little bit. Um, and it was hard to stay grounded. It was hard to stay connected to like, why did we start doing this in terms of like staying rooted in like a value of like decolonization, um, getting pulled into like just different forms of capitalism um and like letting go of some of like the community related care and thinking about okay like what things can we do with this that are gonna like financially profit me um so yeah that was hard to come to terms with and then I, there was always this pressure it felt like that we needed to keep producing um and even that is like also tied to internalized capitalism that it felt like if we stopped producing that we would somehow become irrelevant or that the things that we had to say would be less important somehow um so yeah those two pieces of like the inflated ego and just like the pressure of like having to continue to produce those things were hard 
I think um, for me, it was hard at times to to um, to step back and um, not take up so much space. And I feel like I played it well here on the podcast, <laughs> being a Leo and also being someone who has a lot to say because just in, in the past, I feel like I have been silenced in many ways, um, whether by people or by systems, making me feel like I needed to be silent. But and having so much more to say, sometimes it was hard to take a step back and I think that's, I mean, it, when it was a growth point for me, and it, I think this actually helps me to do that too, is to take a step back and really listen to, you know, other people who are, you know, absolutely brilliant and then wanting to like almost match that. You know what I mean? It almost like, damn, like you're brilliant. Now I got to say some shit that that's genius now too, <laughs> you know? And so, um, it's, it, it, less of like competition, but more of just like, I want to keep up. I think at times being vulnerable about us just voicing our opinions and thinking perhaps what the backlash could be, you know, you don't, once we started it, probably it was like, okay, let's get this going. And then it gained traction. And I mean, I don't know if we, or me, let's me say me. I don't know if the pressure to come with it to perform and to have this guest or that guest and ask them certain types of questions that hadn't been asked before. It kind of gave a little bit of performance anxiety at times for me. Um, but also knowing there's other dope social workers, you know, we've mentioned a lot of their podcasts, trying to listen to, you know, joy or boss or equity matters. Um, and you know, again, we're not the only voices that are out there, but also realizing the male privilege that we have, um, that people want to come to us, but it's like, we, you know, there's other voices that, you can go to as well. Um, so it was just an interesting, it was an interesting kind of like toss up at times. I think y'all hit on the things that really resonate with me. And I'll just add that, you know, trying to develop the infrastructure for what melanated social work is uh, in real time was tough. You know, people hitting us up to participate on panels and to find a therapist in this city with this specialization for this client that they have or this referral, uh, the exam prep, uh, you know, people asking to be on the podcast or sending referrals to be on the podcast, just all the emails, all the email requests that came through and then trying to manage that. In addition to trying to manage the other nine to fives, you know, like just feeling burnt out by the end of the, like last year. Um, and that impacting how I was able to show up in the position that gets me paid. Right. And though I actually really love the work I do with young people at Williams. Um, but I definitely hit a wall where I was like, something's got to get, um, and, and the time away from family and, and, um, trying to, you know, nurture the, that relationship is, it was just, it's a big time commitment. Um, and I think, Josh, you hit on that piece around vulnerability. I think living publicly like that, too. Like, you know, it's a podcast, but like, 
uh, you know, colleagues know about it. Uh, you know, people know, well, you know, what do you do? You say, I got this podcast. Oh, yo, let me, I'll check it out. And then uh, it's like, well, shit, I've been on that podcast differently than how I might, you know, want to be in a relationship with you. So um, I think that was a hard piece too. But uh, nonetheless, I know I'm talking about some of the overwhelm of the emails that came through. I'll also highlight just how dope people are when they check this out and we're like, they care about their colleagues, they care about their friends, they care about their family, they care about their community, and they want to support and help and, and provide some type of healing, some type of care. And so they stretch out to us. But that's a privilege to be in. And I, I definitely don't take that for granted. Um, but it's a lot to try to, you know, build that plane as you fly. So uh, I'm glad that we're landing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this hasn't been explicitly said. I mean, I know we put it on the Instagram saying that this would be the last podcast, but part of that is that collectively we have come to the decision that uh, we are no longer moving forward as melanated social work. Um, I think the body of work that we've assembled up to this point is going to continue to exist on the internet um, for folks to consume in whatever way feels the most supportive for them. Um, so the podcasts are still going to be there. The Instagram posts are still going to be there, but we are going to cease to put out new content or engage through those different mechanisms. Um, and this was not an easy decision for us to come to. We actually saw out group therapy, essentially. Um, shout out to Dr. Jennifer Mullen. Um, you know, if you want <laughs> some organizational healing or some group therapy, uh, she was phenomenal. Um, yeah. Her episode, unsurprisingly, is the highest streamed episode of all of our podcasts. Mm. Her episode has 5,400 streams. Yeah. Yeah. More than even our first episode. And it's been out like less than half the time. Nice. <laughs> um, but shout out to Dr. Mullen for helping to like, just create a safe space and facilitate that process for us. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious for y'all, like as we were going into that process, uh, what are some of your thoughts and feelings or what were they as like we were making the decision to like do group therapy together um and then what was that process like for you in real time i could set it off <laughs> uh, i was like we could all just sit here and keep reading and unreading for a while <laughs> uh unsurprising how group dynamics unfolded amongst ourselves and I know this was named in a conversation we all had around the forming, storming, norming, right? We had a few sessions where things were kind of light, almost surface level, and then whoop, we won't get into the mess. Just a little bit, but enough to have some real conversations and not really uh, hold things just be for the sake of trying to care for everybody else like just naming the thing as it is this is how i see it this is how i interpret it and i'm putting it out there 
Um, so I would say, you know, going into it, I think I was definitely open to it. Uh, I think a little reserved because it's like, okay, I'm going into group therapy with three other therapists to be facilitated by another dope therapist. Um, how is this going to go? Um, but I held on to, wait, we were friends before this became some type of like business slash uh, public offering. Like this, so I, I kind of just had to remind myself, this is rooted in love. This is rooted in um, like just being homies. And so, yes, we want to explore melanated social work and whether or not we'll go forward with that. Um, but, you know, give it to the friendship to like really to go there with these people. Um, and then I think during that process, it was just really helpful. Again, there's just the power of therapy, having conversations, uh, being transparent uh, to see that I've, the amount of time and effort and energy to have a vision for what it will look like going forward um, might be too much. Uh, and I, I knew personally I did not have capacity uh, and that I think I'm happy. I, I'm, I'll say this. I'm really happy to have gone through that process with Dr. Mullen and with you all and uh, to try to combat some ideas of toxic masculinity where we just kind of hold shit and bottle it in um, or only express anger. Like it was, it felt good to say, all right, you know, I care about you, but this is, this is, this is a rupture we had. This is a conflict we had and was never addressed. And this is how I think it carried over. Um, so to have some uh, re just real conversations, I think felt good. Um, and of course, you know, we talked about decolonizing uh, mental health. I think that was some, that was doing that work with Dr. Mullen was us trying to put it into action. Uh, so for the end all be all, I'm again content with us doing this process, uh, and I hope that. Uh, going forward i can i'll speak for myself uh i'm already i mean i'm in all the therapy right now um but just continue to, to uh lean into that lean into that discomfort and uh i'll say this it was a and again i'll just shout out aj marie brown one more time uh to move at the speed of trust um that is like I might get that tattoo because I love that. And I am a just firm believer in not rushing the process, but trusting the process. So happy I've done that with y'all. Uh, for me, I uh, was very, uh, yes, on board. Let's do this. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, I think that most of us are know each other well enough to know that at a point there was there was tension, and you know to to have the opportunity in in my you know from my perspective to uh, just get it all out there and talk about what was unsaid could then push us like forward. You know what I mean? I think that was my, 
you know, my perception of like, okay, we'll talk about all the shit, we'll heal from it, and then off we go <laughs> to, to to be destined for the greatness that we're destined to be, you know, as as a collective. And I think that so that was me coming into it. I think that through the process and and echoing the shout out to Dr. Mullen, just phenomenal human. Um, through the process, kind of recognizing that like I am always trying to like be the fixer and to um be the glue that like pulls everybody back together when they when they kind of go astray and how that's shown up so much in my life and how i've been a people pleaser for so long and how all of this is like connected um so that was that was kind of a uh some reflection that i needed um and it took me a really long time to to grapple with the idea that we would not be melanated social work took me like a a I like the what's what's the the stages of denial <laughs> or stages of grief I'm sorry um yeah dab dab I remember writing that shit on that paper for the exam <laughs> uh, fuck that exam um but yeah but you know I I definitely went through some stages and I was just like wait a minute like this is something like we've done dope shit. We've done like things that, you know, other folks like wish they could do. And, you know, sometimes, you know, endings don't have to be these like tumultuous, angry, uh, uh, high conflict, you know, situations like there can be nice endings, you know? And so, um, so that was one thing. I think another thing was, you know, really realizing how capitalism influences me and therefore influenced my contributions to the group. And so, you know, I'm pretty, um, if I want to do something, <laughs> um, I'm pretty adamant that I want to do that thing. And fairly good at convincing other people to do said thing <laughs> and you know recognizing how you know a lot of my definition of success with us was was tied to how much money that we could make how many followers um that we that we had and you know really take again taking a step back and listening to like wait a minute before all of this shit it was for support it was to support each other and you know the offering similar to what jesse and i think a, a, a lot of y'all have already said like the most impactful and meaningful ones were the ones that where there was no money involved um and, and so it really pushed me to to think about my relationship with money my relationship with capitalism like and where that comes from and where that came from definitely some family shit in there but um yeah it, it was it was really eye-opening i think the then then the like kind of the third thing is the ways in which um and a, a couple of y'all already named it toxic masculinity shows up the ways in which you know a lot of times as uh you know men or you know masculine presenting folks were comfortable with just saying oh no it's okay I'm not school. It's all right. It, it, it ain't that big of a deal. It's cool. 
Right. And so, and I think, and I, and I will speak for myself and I've definitely done that and just, and, and then kind of recognize that, that kind of grew, um, you know, internally when literally all of us are therapists. <laughs> and so like the ease in which I could, I, I, I know that you all would have held space for me during those times. And like, we, we could have, you know, has hashed some shit out, you know, could have, could have happened so much earlier. But again, I didn't want to be seen as, uh, doing too much or I didn't want us to be seen as, you know, ruffling feathers. Um, again, the people pleaser in me is just like, you know what, that, that, that'll create conflict. And so let me just not say anything to just keep everything kind of even. Um, when in reality, obviously there was, there were some things that we should have, you know, talked out when we didn't. Um, and so I'm, um, you know, I, I, I like to say that I'm a good communicator, but you know, this has definitely challenged me or the, the therapy has challenged me to really just, uh, humble myself in a lot of different ways. Um, Um, I think Marvin, you had mentioned like we kind of before everything we started off doing when I was in New York. Uh, I think Mike was in DC. You were still in Phil. No, you were in Philly. And Jesse, as he is in the Bay, we started off as a peer support group. <clears throat> you know, um, it started at East Boston. Basically, the name came from like us at that. Pierre Point or Pierce Park or whatever in East Boston. And it was just like, it just organically, let's check in. Let's talk about how this, in, not internship, our first jobs. Cause I think we all started our first jobs, maybe, maybe even before the podcast or so. But in the beginning, I say maybe we're not, you know, we're sophomores at this point, but we're freshmen, uh, professional social workers at that point. And it was interesting seeing the ride of how. It went from a bond to not maintaining that bond um, and how there was poor communication at times withheld withheld things that were said um, that could have been said maybe closer to those points, but also given space to sometimes maybe we just needed time and space and we just you know we're we're humans too and we go through the motions of life <laughs> like everybody else right and i think what was pointed out was you know we still live in this world not even i'm not going to get to the toxic masculinity quite yet but we still live in a world that we're still unpacking how we can not intellectualize things and situations, but we can just really be raw with emotion. And I think there was one point in which it was like, no, Josh, how did you feel? And I think I had told somebody a story and I had, you know, I kind of kept this to myself and I was like, you know, when that was with when that was told, I cried and I had never mentioned that before to show uh, the emotion that was going on for me to open up and cry. And I think it's just the 
it's still yeah, I'm personally me. I'm still getting used to outside of sports and stuff, opening up to other men. Um, about things and emotions and you know stories that touch me from my empathic side. You know, people may not know that about me at times. Um, but also, you know, we're still in a we're we're born into this world where we haven't gotten a lot of spaces like this to talk about masculinity, which to me isn't a, a bad thing, actually, but also the the negative side of it, which is the toxic masculinity, to to speak about and unpack emotions and feelings and to name the emotion, to name the feeling, to name these situations. Um I don't think a lot of brothers get to do this a lot, right? So I think it's I wish we could have gotten this stuff earlier and sooner. A lot of individuals who are masculine presenting, what would the world look like if we had these spaces and places from like preschool or earlier than that and continue to have these and talk about the gamut of all the emotions and feelings and situations so that we can like learn from one another. Um, So that's what I took from it. And it's just sitting with me from that standpoint. For sure. Um, Going back, it took a while to get to the point of actually like doing the therapy. It was like almost like months of conversation before we were actually like able to like nail something down and get it going. And there was like this whole review process of like who would do it. But shout out to Kalida and Sonali, because I believe that this idea came to fruition in a conversation that myself and Marvin had with them um, and them kind of sharing like that this could potentially be beneficial. Um, and that kind of got the ball rolling on this. Um and then I was really excited about it. I've never done any sort of like friend therapy. I participated in group therapy a couple of times, but that was through Kaiser and that shit was whack. Um, and I've facilitated group therapies for like number of years. And it's one of the things that I really enjoy most about doing direct care work. Um, but I've never participated it in in this capacity. And, you know, we can't say it enough. Shout out again to Dr. Mullen. We were not, I would say, the most ideal client. <laughs> uh, we weren't really great about getting the homework done on time. I know she emailed us about sending our vision statements at least four times before I finally sent it. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there were times that I got really frustrated with the process because I think the way that I approach my individual therapy is very different um, and very task oriented. And I think like I want to get my money's worth out of each of these sessions and want to just like jump right into shit. Um, and kind of like how Michael spoke to, there was like this natural forming where it was weird because even though we had been in community and doing this podcast for numerous years, it was like stepping into that space was like starting from square one. And like, we had to go through this process of like chit chat that like was 
just so frustrating at times because like we would end the session i'm like damn we really didn't do shit (laughs) um and so i had like this clear sense of like what i thought needed to happen and it wasn't happening so that was frustrating for me um but then ultimately like we came to a decision and i think we probably could have gone on even longer like in that aimless state if dr mullen did not force us into making the decision um and that was when we all collectively came to like yeah we agreed like we we're not gonna move forward as melanated social work uh and that was like it's sad like there was like this element of grief and i think it's still there for me but it was also like a huge relief it was like this feeling of just like weight taken off of my shoulders of just feeling that there was like a definitive decision made around it that we weren't like aimlessly moving towards something or that we weren't trying to like build the plane while we were flying it we're just like fuck it <laughs> we're gonna stop building like let's just stop um and that was a huge relief and i think my reflection throughout the process in real time is a few things like came to me as we were doing it um one thing was that it was clear to me that the experience of boston and the racism that we individually and collectively experienced there was a huge part of why we came together and it like from a clinical sense was just like really trauma bonding. Um, And so we came together in this really difficult time to support each other through that process. And then as we started to move away from Boston and move into our each respective lives, I would say for myself, like, I don't know if that trauma bond, it didn't feel the same anymore because I wasn't in that trauma. Um, And then it was like, this wake up of like, wow, like it felt like at the origin of this, we had like a really clear shared vision and clear values. But I think that was like a byproduct of the trauma bonding. And now in the absence of that trauma, the reality started to come to light to me more. And it just didn't feel like there was a lot of um, alignment anymore. Um. And so that was, that was a hard reality to come to terms with. Um, There was also like the realization for me that there was only so much that we could do as for cis men. Uh, Like there's only so much that we could have accomplished as for cis men. Um, and the ways in which that like toxic masculinity played a role within like our dynamic, like that piece of like not saying what folks are feeling or um, like for myself, I am like highly like conflict averse. And like a lot of that coming from like my childhood trauma of just like witnessing domestic violence and then growing up in an abusive household. Like I just tend to want to make people laugh. That's my thing is I want to like crack a joke and ease the tension. I don't want to like get into the shit. Um, So I definitely played into that and things came up that were frustrating throughout the process. 
And I just didn't speak to it because I really didn't have the energy for it. And I didn't want to unpack it. Um, but yeah. And then I think there was this piece of like performance where we did a really good job of speaking about a lot of things. And then it turned out to be much harder to actually put those things into play. Um, there was a realization for me of how much I benefit from the women in my life, uh, having like strong women in my life that have like helped to raise me, helped to shape me, helped to form my ideology, uh, thinking about my partner and some of my other teachers that I've had have like shaped my sense of like community or organizing or what is healing. and. I appropriated a lot of that or integrated it into my life and put it on the podcast. And I was awarded with notoriety, with financial success in certain ways off of the labor of the women of color in my life. Um, and it, you know, they pointed out to me that it, it was hard for us to actually do things that we're truly dismantling patriarchy. And it's like, because of our own implicit bias for cis men, there's only so much that we could do um, without having like other perspectives in this uh, huddle. Um, but yeah, so those, those are the things. And group therapy is hard. It was constant struggle of feeling like not wanting to take up too much space, wanting to say the things that need to be said, wanting to push against like what your natural inclination is. Um, and then it just never felt like there was enough time because you have a therapist and four people as opposed to like in my individual therapy, there's just a therapist and me, you know, it's all focused on me. Uh, and so this was very different in that regard. Yeah. Any other thoughts that came up for folks? As like y'all were hearing other people speaking. I think I, you know, it was nice for us to, but there's times where I think I brought up, I apologize to some people like individually, but it was also dope to be able to apologize for things with the whole group. And then also to other folks, it was apologies that were sorted around. Um, but I definitely gave some apologies that I had talked about one-on-one -on -one, and then also to the group that definitely needed to you know be said to the greater group at all at at, at large so that was that was you know sometimes you got to name that shit and own the shit and apologize and hopefully not have that repeated behaviors but uh it was that was needed you know apologies with change behavior uh that's what it's about or it can be about and thinking about giving all of us grace and and space you know um i think there were some spaces of grace that i think that's a strength um even though we're not going forward but i think that it's good to name that there's space and grace and you know working compassion towards things amongst us amongst all these systems amongst all the stuff we've just said we still tried to chop it up and you know do it like that yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about, Jesse, what you said around trauma bonding. <clears throat> and um, 
I actually think that if we had just kept it to the check-ins, I actually think that would have lasted because we were supporting each other. There was no one else involved. We didn't have to perform for anybody else. We didn't, we, we had no podcast. We had no Instagram. It was just us. And I think that through those conversations and getting to know each other more, which is, you know, something that I, you know, uh, you know, used to say a lot is like, we don't really like, like we know each other, but we don't like know, know each other, you know? And so I feel like that would have naturally kind of developed. Um, and so once we kind of had this, I think image that we felt like we had to, you know, portray to the world and, um, you know, challenge like that, the challenge of what you're just speaking to of like, damn, like we really say, uh, pay black women, trust black women, listen to black women. And then like, but what are we actually doing for them? Um, which is, a, a, which is difficult, you know, as for cis men, also, it's difficult and I'm, and I'm, you know, kind of was reflecting on my own journey of even with like queerness and how I was when in Philly, you know, I'm, you know, this person that's like, yeah, bisexuality and queerness and all this stuff. But I have this shirt that says equality in all of these different colors and, you know, colors of the rainbow. And I was very, very, very hesitant to wear that outside, like IRL. <laughs> and so it was just like, damn. I'm not in reality who I almost pretend to be online. And so I had to even do even more work around that. And so, you know, when you, you know, talk about, you know, the women and for me specifically, the black women who have really, really saved my life at times, um, it, it, it really, I don't know. It, it really just like challenges us in ways that we cannot challenge each other. Um, and it's something that I'm still, you know, struggling with, to, to be honest. But my, I appreciate you naming that. I think there's always thoughts and reflections that come up after you, uh, you share some ideas, Jesse. You know, you're a wordsmith with it. So, uh, I always appreciate listening. Um, a lot of what you shared resonates and uh, I find myself very aligned with. Um, but for folks who are listening, you know, don't get it twisted. There's no love loss amongst us, you know, still cheer for your peer. Uh, and each in, of the individual endeavors that we're going to go on and go forth and go do, like, y'all got my support, got your back like chiropractic, you know. Um, I, of course, want to see everyone here be uh, successful, whatever that means to you, and do your thing. So um, I feel like, you know, even though the podcast is ending, I would not be the social worker I am today, the therapist I am today, had we not done this. And so I feel like I'll be having a lot of thoughts and reflections for many days ahead. Uh, about the work that we all did together, even from this conversation. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> For sure. So, you know, we broke your hearts. 
There's no more podcasts. <laughs> Melanated social gonna, work is no more. They're gonna, they gonna cry in the car, right? <laughs> um, and tears are okay. Yeah, yeah. But I'm hoping that we made even the smallest impact on the field of social work, and that someone else picks up the torch. Mm-hmm. Um, just if there's anything that could be learned from this process of us you know, recording our conversations with each other. Like there was a lot that was able to happen from this with little to no planning, (laughs) just really, you know, shooting from the hip most times. And there was a lot that was accomplished. There was really important dialogue that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if someone else were to follow in those footsteps, and approach it with a level of like revolutionary discipline as the panthers would say um there there's so much room for possibility in changing the field of social work in dismantling the white supremacist nature of it in getting rid of this licensure exam of making sure that like us and our communities are accurately reflected um, as as humans in the field. Um, and so there's so much possibility. And so I hope someone is inspired um, and continues that fight and continues to chip away at that. Um, I'm curious for y'all as we're like kind of wrapping up what is um, something really valuable that you learn from this process? Um, and what's next for you? You know, like as you step away from this, um, what is the next journey for you? I'm going to say I'm still thinking about just processing still everything. So that's going to take some time, but just want to say thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks to y'all. Thanks to all the listeners for your patience, your grace, um, this space for growth um, for us behind the scenes, but in front of the camera as well. Um, (laughs) You know, I know we probably came out mad, especially 20 when the height of the pandemic was going on or maybe me. I was I was speaking super spicy. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thanks for the grace and the patience for if I cursed out a celebrity, you know, I hope they have space and grace and growth, too. Um, thank you, Jesse and everybody for the test prep for that bullshit test. Um, Marv, thanks for the content and being. A black face in the digital space, you know, making this brand what it is part of it as one of the four and Mike for all the emails <laughs> and, uh, you know, coordinating it as much as you could, given your multiple jobs, how many jobs you got, like six, seven. Um, and then you got a dog and got a partner and a family. And sometimes you just don't want to do this shit. So thank y'all all for how y'all contributed to, to all this. And thanks to everybody out there. Thanks to y'all. Um, what's next for me is rest. So love, peace, and a bottle of hair grease. Peace.
I think one of the biggest things I'm going to take away is the power of community, right? I think the four of us did something magical. And I know that we all were inspired by people around us and through our upbringing. And so even though we were able to hold on to this moment on this continuum, uh, it doesn't end here. And it didn't start with us, right? Well, you've heard us reference numerous authors and loved ones in our lives. Um, I definitely need to shout out my partner who really inspired me to, in, in more ways than one to show up on this podcast how I did. Um, and so I already said it, but I would not be the type of healer that I am had I not been in this community with you all. Um, and shout out to your partners and loved ones and people in your life who helped shape you. Um, and what's next? Uh, I'm going to continue working in college mental health, going to continue working with the MBPA and in the process of starting a small private practice uh, in Massachusetts. So uh still going to be balancing three different tasks for the moment um but this is what i feel called and drawn to do and as long as it feels creative and inviting and welcoming and inspiring i'm gonna move forward with it um so a lot of um, my uh, trauma around identity comes primarily from men. And I just want to appreciate you all for, for holding space for me. Um, I want to appreciate you all for allowing me to be vulnerable. Am I getting emotional? Nope. Uh, <laughs> No, but you know, I, you know, you all were the the first group of men that I didn't know since like childhood that I told about, you know, me being bisexual. Um, the first group that I told about the HIV um, of of men of 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 cis and and, and masculine presenting men, and um, the anxiety that comes having those identities is 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 indescribable and so for for you all to simply i mean y'all even have to say anything but for you all to emotionally hold me during those moments is um it's something that i'm just it's i'm never gonna forget and i'm i'm, I'm always gonna love and appreciate you all for that um you know you all have also taught me that like uh not taught me but through this process anyway um that i i can be seen and in a lot of different ways and that i have a voice um and that shit is powerful my voice our voices powerful as fuck um 
Yeah. And, 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 you know, people ask me like, how am I so, you know, fearless, um, you know, and say whatever I want. And I, and you all had a very significant role in, in that for me. Um, probably more than, than y'all know. Um, yeah. So I appreciate y'all for that. Uh, got through that. No tears, um, but tears are okay. <laughs> um, as far as what's next, um, if you have not already checked me out, I'm going to plug myself a hell of a lot right now. Smithsonian channel. Um, I did a, a segment called Cycle Breakers, part of Oprah's Color of Care documentary. Also did a TEDx talk in Wilmington. For both of those, you can you, you can you can simply type in my name, the YouTube Marvin Tolliver. Shocked myself. I never thought I'd get to that level. Um, you can also go to the link link tree in my bio. Um, I have links for that. Um, for some of y'all who know Joy Britt, LCSW, the Joy of Social Work, phenomenal, beautiful, amazing human. Um, so we have created uh, a series of trainings called Dope Therapy Talks. The first one was the first two were incredibly successful and uh we're thinking about getting an llc for that thing now so um look out for that very very soon um it's teaching folks how to do therapy so in a lot of our programs we're taught theory we're taught um interventions but not exactly like language and like how to introduce certain topics and so that's what our um that's what dope therapy talks are so check us out we'll have a website up very very soon um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm moving, you know, more into a space of consultation of, uh, more groups. I want to do more groups and also, you know, doing more trainings and workshops, you know, teaching folks and showing folks that therapy in the ways in which academia, uh, presents to us, um, is not, I'll say it's not the only way. We can, we can definitely de decolonize that shit. We can definitely be a bit more radical. And so opening your eyes because the white way is not always the right way. I like that. <laughs> that, that is going to be a shirt on uh, Marvin's website. So stay I also on got the merch. for that one. <laughs> the white way is not the right way. <laughs> <laughs> um what did i learn through this process uh i learned a lot of things there was a lot of content that i learned like y'all brought a lot of knowledge into this space our guests brought a lot of knowledge into this space that have like shaped me in numerous ways um i'll echo what marvin said and like the power of voice uh, this really put in perspective for me um, just how impactful the individual can be in like starting a murmuration, right? That like that one person just like speaking their mind, like how empowering that can be for others. And then also like what a huge responsibility that is to be someone that is elevated in that way. Um, that folks hold in high regard because of the things you say. Um, and what a huge responsibility that is. Um, it's also taught me the importance of uh, saying what I think, saying what I feel, 
as in regards to interpersonal dynamics. I think it's, you know, shifted me in my own personal therapy and focusing a lot on some of my fears of rejection and abandonment and how that manifests in relationships of me not saying how I'm feeling um, and actually trying to like practice that in interpersonal relationships, in relationships with my own family. Um, and it's okay if that's messy because um, it's important that like I be able to like center what is happening for me internally and share that with other people as opposed to like just kind of squashing it down. Um, I also learned that if we, I was ever going to do something like melanated social work again, I would start with therapy. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't wait till multiple years in to explore that. I'm really curious uh, about the possibilities of therapy in the context of like uh, community and friend groups and what that could look like for me in the future. Um, yeah. And I learned that I really enjoy podcasting, y'all. So, you know, if you're out there and you're looking for a podcast producer, maybe even a co-host, like, come at me. I might be down for that. If it's the right idea, the right um, community, that might be the move for me. So, yeah, I might I might want to keep doing, like, leaning into this, this space of art. Uh, what's next for me, y'all? Uh, for folks that didn't know already, I was recently promoted. So now I'm stepping out of the direct care service space. Um, it was a hard decision to come to, to step away from being a therapist. Um, but I think I realized that in a lot of ways, like being so embedded in other people's trauma was not leaving a lot of emotional capacity for me and like being able to connect with the other people in my life. And so it was like this natural progression of after being a youth therapist for six years, like I needed to take a step back from that. Um, and so now I'm a assistant director within my agency and still within this space of like, we provide mental health services to young folks in school, but as opposed to supporting young people and their families, I now support the healers. Um, and having that level of separation is something that I really enjoy right now. Shout out to my clinical interns who like have been phenomenal over the last couple of years, because I think being in community and relationship with them helped to solidify for me that I enjoy being in this space of like being a supervisor, being someone that helps the other helpers. So shout out to Kaylin, Janet and Jessica, because yeah, I've learned so much from my supervisees and have helped me to like come to this new path. Um, the hope with that is that it'll create a little bit more emotional capacity for me to start my own private practice. Um, and as the world opens up, I'm just looking forward to the possibility of finding new communities and being in physical space with like-minded folks um, and being able to continue to explore um, what does it mean to dismantle white supremacy or dismantle patriarchy or to defund the police? Um, 
has been something I've enjoyed through this process. And I'm hoping to continue to lean into that and find more and new creative ways about like, where do the healers fit within like this dismantling of these problematic systems? Like what is the role that I play in that? Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Any other thoughts that folks wanted to share? I just want to thank the folks who are listening. Who uh, I mean, some of y'all has probably been rocking with us since the first episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, damn, that is love. That is love. That is love. That is love. Um, yeah, thank you all for the support, for the likes, for the comments, for sharing this podcast with folks. I know a lot of this, a lot of it was word of mouth and they were like, oh, heard this podcast. You got to listen to it. You know, so, you know, melanated social work would, would not have been what it was without, without y'all listening. So, you know, we incredibly, I don't know if we have words to describe how, (laughs) how thankful, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's been it's been real. Shout out to the people. Yeah. All right, y'all. If there's nothing else, this is Melanated Social Work. Jesse, Josh, Michael, and Marvin signing out for the last time. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. <laughs> And somehow we still got to wear our damn mask.